It is the Lord's Day. It's the most important day of our week. And we have been given the opportunity and the great blessing of worship to God. For just a little while, I want to direct your attention to 1 Peter chapter 1. And our lesson will be based on one verse. In fact, we're going to notice our topic will be from one word in one verse. But in verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter said this. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In verse 13, we have a transition. That's why it begins with the word, therefore. In other words, what Peter is talking about is the things in which he is going to say now were because of the things that he said in the 12 verses prior. So in other words, it is making a transition. All the facts that are stated in verses 1 through 12, because of that, now there are commands given beginning in verse 13. And our text and our passage and our title is entitled, Resting Our Hope. You know, one translation says, Fix Your Hope. You know, hope is a wonderful thing. It is something that the child of God has and hangs on to. How many times have we stood by a newly made grave of a dear loved one in Christ and we said that we were able to tolerate such occasions because of hope? The Apostle Paul says, don't sorrow for those like you would those that have no hope. So hope is a tremendous thing. It's an amazing thing. In life today, I never really understood or I'm very saddened by those that feel as though their life is such that they have no hope. Hope is an amazing thing for us. And Peter says, rest or fix your hope. I have to say this, though, too. Having hope is an act of will. It's not just an emotional feeling. It's a choice. It's a decision. And in our passage, Peter gives it as a command. He said, rest your hope. That is a command for the child of God. In other words, all the great things that God has done and mentioned in verses 1 through 12 by way of your salvation, what he's saying is you have all of this by way of what God has done for you. Therefore, you're commanded to fix your hope. And we're going to get into the specifics of that in just a little bit. But just as an introduction, we fix our hope. Hope is a great thing. First Corinthians chapter 13. Paul said that there are three things that abide. And that's faith, hope, and love. And Paul said, and the greatest of these is love. Or the King James says, charity. Now we hear a lot of sermons about love, and rightfully so. In fact, love is an attribute of God. We used to sing that song, God is love. So we hear a lot of sermons about love and love being agape love, a love of service and sacrifice. Rightfully so, we preach on that. We hear a lot of sermons also about faith because the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Got to have faith. But what about hope? We don't hear a lot of sermons directed toward only the aspect of hope. How many times have people perhaps in their life not had hope or lived in hope? Because they focus on the love of this world too much. You know, it's kind of like that country song years ago. I want to go to heaven, just not tonight. And sometimes we love the world so much we don't focus on hope of something that is better. 
I remember when Phil Kelly, when he was alive and we would have a singing. You've heard me say this about Phil Kelly. We'd have a singing and he would say, wouldn't it be great if the Lord came back right now? In other words, longing for and looking for home and hoping for such a thing. The Christian's attitude toward the future is what hope is. Hope is your attitude toward the future. Now, you've heard me also say this, that faith and hope are connected in one sense, but they're different. They're both trusting God, and you've heard me say this, faith is trusting God in the present, but hope is trusting God for the future. But there's a little bit more. Faith accepts, hope expects. Faith appropriates, hope anticipates. But Peter said, fix or rest your hope. Why would he say that? Why are we commanded to have hope? Have you ever stopped to consider that you are commanded to have hope because it glorifies God? You know, hope is a wonderful blessing to us. I just said that. But the command to have hope has nothing to do with how it makes you feel. That's not why we're commanded to rest or fix our hope. We're commanded to rest and fix our hope because God is worthy of that. He has done all of this for us by way of our salvation. The Lord Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross for our sins. All of this has been laid out for us. So fix or rest your hope because God is worthy of that. A few weeks ago, I mentioned something about glorifying God. And I said, one of the ways that we glorify God is when we trust him. Now, if you feel in your life that you have no hope and you're a Christian... You need to change the way you think. It's an act of will. It is a determined act of will in your mind. You have to change that. Because if you feel as though you have no hope, you're doubting God. You're denying what God has said. So let's fix our hope. All right. First of all, obviously our minds are involved. In 2 Peter chapter 1, I want to make a comparison between two passages now. Our passage this morning and 2 Peter chapter 1. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter said, Add to your faith virtue, and virtue knowledge, and knowledge temperance, and temperance patience, and patience godliness, and godliness brotherly kindness. Right? Those are the seven Christian graces, very practical passages. Peter said in that passage, if these things are yours and abound, you won't be barren. You won't be unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then he said, and if you do these things, you will never fall. And secondly, you will have an abundant entrance into the everlasting kingdom. Okay. But in our passage, it says this, fix or rest your hope On the grace given you at the appearing of Jesus. Is there a contradiction? One passage says we can have confident trust. The other one says it's grace. They go together. People misunderstand grace. The world is filled with folks that misunderstand grace. Grace is not something that is given you regardless of your choices. Grace, though, is unmerited favor. It is a gift that you didn't deserve. Okay? So, in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter says we can have confidence and trust when the Lord comes back, we're going to go to heaven. But in 1 Peter here, we find something else. Something is added to that. It is grace that will be given. So what does all that mean? 
means this. If you have confident trust in God, that when the Lord comes back, if we're found faithful, we're going to go to heaven. Remember, it's still grace. It's still a gift. And you didn't deserve it. That is confidence together with humility. And that's the mind that the child of God must have. Okay, going back to our verse then, too. The main verb is fix your hope. So how do we do that? How do we have that kind of hope that Peter's talking about? Well, first of all, there's military language here. If you look at our passage, it says this. And there's two modifiers, by the way. Two modifiers in this verse that tell us how exactly to do that. He said, fix your hope. Modifier number one is gird the loins of your mind. Now, there's two ways to look at that, and there are really two examples about girding the loins. Obviously, you've heard me say this too. A soldier that went into battle would have these long flowing tunics. They would bind it up through their belt, and they would... Uh, cinch it down so the loose impediments would not get in their way and they could go and fight. So it's military language. So in this command about resting your hope, it's military language. It is telling us what to do. How are you going to do it? Number one, gird the loins of your mind. But there's something else, and I think it really applies here. There was an event that was found, obviously, in the Old Testament that's very familiar in Exodus chapter 12. And this is a picture of our life. Listen to this. In Exodus 12 and verse 11, and thus you shall eat it with the belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. In that event, you know what God knew? There wouldn't be a whole lot of time after the discovery of the death of the firstborn would therefore be evident There wouldn't be a lot of time for God's people. So you know what God said? God said, get your belt on. He said, get the staff in your hand. He said, put on your sandals. He said, get busy and get ready so you can travel. In our passage, Peter's saying the same thing. Gird the loins of your mind. Get ready to travel. Something interesting about the belt and the sandals. I read a little history about that. And, you know, if you were just inside the house and you weren't going anywhere, you didn't have your shoes on. You didn't have your sandals on. And you know what else? You didn't have your belt on either. Whatever long, flowing, comfortable garment that you had as an outer garment, a tunic or whatever, you would just let it go long and flowing. But if you had to go somewhere, you put on the belt. You put on the sandals. And I think that's interesting, too, because Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, he said, gird your waist with truth. One translation says, put on the belt of truth. So what is all this saying to us, practically speaking, in a symbolic sense? Live your life with your staff in your hand, with your sandals on, with your robe bound up, with your belt on, and that's the belt of truth, and ever be ready for the Lord's return. You know, nowhere in the Word of God does it say, nowhere in the Word of God does it say, I'll get my life straight someday. Nowhere does it say that. It says be ready, because we don't know when the Lord will come back. That's what Peter's telling us, get ready. Number two, the second modifier, and then I'm finished. First modifier, you've got to gird the loins of your mind. 
Number two, you've got to be sober. And that word just means serious-minded. And it is serious-minded by way of not only your intellect, but also your attitude. Attitude is everything. What is your attitude? Remember that song years ago that said uh, something along the lines about the, the idea of uh, the Lord being an intrusion if he came back? Would the Lord's return be an intrusion in your life? Do you love the world so much and it's so important to you that if the Lord came back, it would be an intrusion? I was sitting at my desk this morning early, and I got to thinking about the Lord's return. And I remember when I was younger, I had a lot of fun to do. I had a lot of fun things I wanted to do. I had a lot of ambitions of what I wanted to achieve in my life. And I didn't think about, obviously, I didn't think about the Lord coming back. In fact, I had too many things I felt like I wanted to do. You know what that is? That's immature. That is immature, especially spiritually immature. But this morning as I'm sitting there thinking about this little lesson, I thought about it this way. The only reason we should want the Lord to delay, the only reason, number one, so that those that are lost in the world can hear the gospel and come to Christ and be saved. And number two, so that those that have fallen have time to come back. So let's pray about that. That's the only reason for the Lord to delay. In fact, I believe that's the only reason that the Lord is delaying. That was me. That's just me. I think that's the only reason. There's still good hearts out there. And for those that have turned their back, we're praying that God will give them time. That's the only reason for the Lord to tarry. Other than that, gird the Lord to your mind. Be serious-minded about your salvation. Get ready. Get prepared. Get your staff in your hand. Get your sandals on your feet. Put on the belt of truth and get ready. And when the Lord returns, we can go to heaven one day. I'm finished. Thank you for your kind listening. I hope that this little passage was encouraging to you and of practical benefit to you and encouraging to you this morning. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.